0: So, this morning we are continuing our journey in the book of Acts. And uh, I believe it's a very exciting journey, not just because it's celebrating birth, and I like birthday and I like birthday celebrations. We're celebrating the birth of, of this church this, this season. I mean, how many weeks are we now? I don't even remember. International Baptist Church oh, of Debrecen. Five weeks, wow, (laughs) still birthday. And uh, it parallels what we are studying in the book of Acts, the birth of the church universal. And so it's very exciting. And and we have seen already, we're into chapter 2, that God is at work right from the very beginning. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit came. He showed up. And with the Holy Spirit... Uh, there was something like tongues of fire and a mighty wind and people began to speak in different languages and the good news of Jesus was proclaimed and then Peter gets up who is prepared to boldly proclaim a message, a sermon, if you like. And through preaching, he carefully articulates the the message of salvation and people are ready to to respond. And so that brings us to our message this morning because the response is baptism. Now, I woke up this morning and I looked out in the window and I saw, ooh, it's raining. There's water (laughs) out there. And I get a little excited, maybe a little more excited than I should have normally been this morning to see so much water. And um, it's appropriate because water is necessary for baptism. I, now in full disclosure, I, I should be honest, I, I do tend to get a little excited about the topic. And uh, I, I can relate to the preacher who also really was passionate about the sacred event of baptism. And, and so it, it sort of slipped into every message he preached uh, on Sunday morning and, and the congregation they appreciated baptism, but they started to get a little tired of hearing about it every week. And so the deacons, the leaders of the church, they met. And they came up with a plan to change the direction of the preacher. And so they, they talked to him, and they said, uh, Pastor, you are such a great preacher, we believe, that you are so great that you could preach a sermon, a really good sermon based on one verse of the Bible, without any preparation. You're you're so good that you could just instantly preach an amazing sermon. And so we'd like to try that. So the pastor, of course, was very flattered. I mean, how could he resist such an opportunity? So he agreed. And and the deacons, they met. And and the leaders, they began to to study the Bible to try to find a verse that had nothing to do with baptism. (laughs) And so finally they agreed that in the book of Genesis... Uh, that they could find a verse. And so they came up with the verse, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so they thought for sure that this would cause the preacher to preach something else. So they, on that morning, they gave him a piece of paper with that verse written on it, and, and the preacher, he read it. He said, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He read it a couple of times, and then he stood up to preach, and he said to the congregation, he said, Dear friends, if I remember geography well enough, the world, the earth, is one-fourth land and three-fourths water, and water reminds me of what I really want to talk about this morning, which is baptism. (laughs) So, in all truthfulness, actually, baptism is at the heart of our passage this morning. No stretching here, uh, no creative interpretation it is right from the book of Acts. So let me encourage you this morning to follow along. We're going to go to the Bible and read from uh, the book of Acts chapter 2. And we're going to pick up a little bit where we were last week to, to, to make the transition. But it will be verses 37 through 41. And I invite you to follow along in um, your Bible. If you have a, a old school traditional paper Bible. I see a few. I like that. Uh, or the modern technology of smartphones or iPads or tablets. Or even, I believe it will be right behind me. So a plethora, many opportunities today to follow along. And we'll be reading from the English Standard Version Bible. So if you have a, uh, a button to switch on your phone, you can do that. And it's really not that different from the NIV, if you have that one. Uh, so it will also work. Uh, so we're going to read Acts chapter 2. And your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word and were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Amen. In this passage. We pick up where Peter has just preached. Obviously a very powerful sermon because he's explained Jesus, that Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the grave to bring salvation to humankind. And this was the message. The Bible tells us when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now, that's an important phrase there because it it means a very deep conviction and repentance that ultimately has changed their lives. It changes your life when you are cut to the heart in this way. And the surgical reference, the cutting, the, the whole image is intentional and appropriate. It is a spiritual cutting of the heart that is necessary for every follower of Jesus. In fact, I believe it's the difference between being a religious person and having a relationship that's authentic with Jesus. And there is a big difference because when you have been cut to the heart, you realize a relationship with Jesus is much deeper. It is possible to be religious and to try to follow the rules and see a relationship with God as only about following the rules, but you're you're not really there yet because religion only becomes about the rules. But... In a relationship, you realize something deeper. You realize that it's sin, the sin of the world, our own sin, that has broken the heart of God. It's not just rules. It is is a relational sacrifice that we see. You realize that it was his blood poured out for you on the cross. And when you see that, it changes your relationship with God. It is a most powerful moment of conviction. There's an old story that comes from the land of Wales about the Lord of Wales. Uh, This man had a beautiful family and an infant child. And uh, he had in their family a very loyal dog. They loved this dog. Well, one day he came home from his travel and he went to see uh, his infant uh, son. And he went into the the room and noticed that the, the son was not in his bed. But instead, there was, there was blood. There was blood on the, on the crib, on the sheets, and in the room around. And, and he became very concerned. And so, then he, he walked over and he noticed there was his dog. The beautiful family dog with blood on its mouth and in its fur. And in that moment, he, he seemed to understand what had happened. And in, in anger, he pulled out his sword and put it right through the heart of that dog. But then he stepped into the next room, and he realized there he saw his son was okay. And lying next to the son was a a wolf that had been killed, a dead wolf. And suddenly he realized what had happened, that the blood on the sheets in the bed was not his own dog's blood. It, It was his own dog's blood because the dog had killed the wolf the dog had actually been the savior of the family and he had made a terrible mistake it's a sad story really if you like dogs because it's a, it's a heartbreaking story because this was a good dog he did not deserve to die it was a mistake yet it's a similar picture of jesus except the story of jesus is so much more powerful because Jesus is the one who willingly gave up his own blood, his own life, to save us from sin. And you and I, we're the ones who stand with the sword in our hand, having done that. This was the message that Peter presented on that day. Sometimes it's difficult, honestly, to look at the cross in that way. Because we have to know that we're the reason Jesus went to the cross And when we look at the cross, it tells us two very important things. It tells us that we are terribly sinful, that sin is a powerful reality in this world, but it also tells us that the love of Christ is terribly strong. It's the very same picture. Jesus on the cross not only tells us that our sin is terrible, but it also shows us just how much Jesus loves us. You cannot Look at the cross and let it only tell you about sin. It also tells you about the love of Christ. And so when you see the cross, you have to ask, why is he there? Why did it happen? And then you have to answer, he died on that cross because of me. The answer is that Jesus is willing to do anything to save you. He will let nothing come between you and him. There is nothing that could possibly change this about him. Jesus lost his privilege in the world. He lost his position. Jesus lost his father. Jesus lost everything just so he wouldn't lose you. Now, we cannot look at the cross and see only the cost of sin. We have to see the power of love. And when we see that, when we see the power of love, it compels us to ask the question, what shall I do in response? That's the question that comes to your heart and your mind when you really understand and see the picture of salvation. And that's how the people responded. In the message today, they said in Acts 2.37, what shall we do? And then Peter He gives the answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And on that day, some 3,000 people were baptized. You see, that's what happens, I believe, when you are touched and changed by the truth of Jesus. It's important to note here that first you are touched and changed and forgiven, and then comes baptism. Baptism is your appropriate response It's not the other way around, by the way. Sometimes people think that. They think once you are baptized, then you will be changed. Uh, Then you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. But that is not the way it works. I remember when I was baptized. I I was so excited. I was a young child. I was fortunate to have grown up in a Christian home. But even at the age of a child, I understood that baptism was, was an expression of salvation, of faith in Christ. And I was so excited. I, you know, I, 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 my, we had white robes we got to dress up into. And I wondered what it would be like, because I'd never been baptized before. And so I, I went into the what I thought, I wonder if I'm going to come out and feel spiritual. Maybe I'll have a halo or wings or something. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll feel like I got magic in my fingers and And so I went into the waters of baptism and I was baptized and and I came out and you know what I felt? Wet. (laughs) That's it. I just felt wet. That's because baptism is nothing magical about it. It is an expression of faith. an, An expression of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. One theologian said it this way. He said, Receiving salvation involves admitting our need through repentance and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. It results in our reception of the Holy Spirit and is expressed through baptism in His name. Baptism is symbolic of the work and presence of Jesus in your life. And that's what Christian baptism means. And, and this is actually, this passage, is actually the first expression, the first occasion of Christian baptism in the Bible. Because there were other baptisms, and every other baptism before this moment wasn't fully Christian baptism because it was prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus. So think about that. Even when Jesus was baptized, it wasn't technically Christian baptism yet. And John, John had lots of disciples. John baptized lots of people. Baptism was a thing. It was it was not Just in Christianity, but it was not quite Christian baptism because they had not yet experienced the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is the first experience of Christian baptism where baptism is symbolic of the work and presence of Jesus in one's life. It is a special and holy way to, holy meaning w like whole holistic way to explain and profess a relationship with Christ that is new and life-giving filled with hope and love and touched and changed by no one other than Christ himself i like how ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 and 6 it tells us there is one body and one spirit Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In this way, there is only one Christian baptism. But it doesn't mean you can only experience it once. Uh, in fact, the very fact that we are this morning in a Baptist church gives testimony to that fact. Uh, have you ever wondered, where does a Baptist church get the name Baptist? I told you we were going to talk about this. Uh, no doubt the thought has crossed your mind. Why do they call Baptist, Baptist? It's not just because they like water. Uh, actually, it sort of dates back to the time uh, after the, shortly after the Protestant Reformation, and if you know a little bit about that history, the whole Reformation was not intended to be a, you know, another branch of Christianity. It was intended to reform uh, the church as it was. But out of that process came uh, individuals who began to want an expression of faith that they could choose on their own. And so um, they were adults, they were older, and so they chose to express Uh, their faith through baptism. They felt that this was a privilege and a joy and a necessary peace. And so what they did is they baptized each other. I don't know how that worked, if it was a little baptism party in a lake or pool or what. Um, But because they baptized each other and the fact that they had already been baptized, you see in those days in in that area, in in Europe, that part of area, most people had already been baptized as an an infant uh, in the church. And so this group wanted to baptize each other, and so they were given the name as Anabaptists. They were kind of, it was kind of a nickname for them, which essentially means re-baptizers. So the, these Baptist Christians were called re-baptizers, uh, and uh, the, over the years we've sort of lost the re. So it's now it's just the baptizers, and it's even shorter than that because it's just Baptists. <laughs> so therein lies the history a bit of the name Baptist. But it's important to know that uh, sometimes it is a beautiful thing to be rebaptized as an expression of faith, especially as one who consciously knows what baptism symbolizes and wants to respond out of their own choice, out of their own will. It's not to say that, that to, to invalidate other forms of baptism, that's not what it's about. But it's, a, it's an opportunity and can be a very beautiful thing. I like to tell the story of my wife, who I'll tell very carefully because she's sitting right here. Um, but she also uh, grew up and had the opportunity to be baptized uh, as a child and was baptized. Uh, but later in life, but not that much later because we were not yet married, um, we won't say how long that has been, she felt... Uh, a need to express baptism because she understood fully what it meant and in the context of a community that was truly f- Christ focused. And so she was rebaptized. I won't also tell you, well, maybe I will, that she was rebaptized several times later by her husband who was learning how to baptize people. <laughs> and so I don't know that there's anyone in this room who's been baptized more than my wife, so if she's really Baptist. If you're going to guess how many times she's been baptized, let me know later, and I'll tell you if you're you're right. So what is baptism? What does it actually symbolize? Perhaps this is the question. First of all, baptism symbolizes forgiveness of sin. It is really... Taking away is the symbol of taking away of guilt and condemnation that is only possible through the blood of Jesus. And so we talk about the cleansing piece of of the blood of Jesus. You cannot be cleansed. You cannot take away sin without blood. It's an Old Testament principle rooted even in animal sacrifice. But Hebrews says it this way, Hebrews 9.14, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works uh, to serve the living God. In this way, baptism is symbolic of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. No need for animals. No need for that now. When Jesus, God Himself, made that sacrifice, it's a cleansing reality of which baptism symbolizes. That's why I love the rain this morning. It's kind of a cleansing, you know, the water is kind of a cleansing symbol. And it's more than a symbol, actually most people use water to clean things with. Uh, in baptism, it is a symbolic cleaning uh, related and pointing to the blood of Christ. So it's, it's, first of all, it, symbols, it symbolizes the forgiveness of sin. And secondly, baptism is symbolic of death, death to sin and resurrection to life. Does that remind you of anybody? Well... Jesus didn't die to sin, but he died for sin. And Romans 6, 4 says it this way. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The Apostle Paul explains baptism as symbolic of Christ's own death and resurrection. The act of being lowered into the baptismal water, uh, through that act, a person is making a declaration, and the declaration is this, I am burying my sinful life, everything that is about me, not pleasing to Christ, I am burying that, I'm putting it to death. And then when that person is raised from the water, just as Christ rose from the grave, he or she is saying, I will now live a new life In Christ, I hate to even put this image in your mind, but I'm going to. Think about a bad movie, where maybe even you know a horror movie where people they die, you know, and and you put them. What do you do when someone dies? You put them in a grave, and traditionally that's like in the ground, and you you lay them down. Now, now don't let your mind go too wild, but but what happens if that person who's been dead and put into the ground, if they come back to life, do they stay there? No, they come up out of the grave. And that is the very symbolism of baptism in Christ, uh, that we are, we are dead to one way of life and resurrected to another way. Now, get no zombies here, <laughs> because the new image, the new creation is beautiful, more beautiful and more perfect, maybe not physically right at first, but spiritually for sure. Death to sin, death to those forces that controlled us in the past, and, and resurrection to new life, new hope, new joy, new relationship with Jesus. That, that is the symbolism. So what does baptism actually look like, practically speaking? Maybe this is, this is a question maybe you're asking this morning, and it's also... One of those areas where, where areas where there are different understandings, different traditions, different interpretations. And um, we don't have time this morning to dive into all those perspectives because Christian history is rich with many different understandings. And one baptism is not intended to uh, invalidate another baptism. But I will tell you that it is clear and easy to say In reality, and most Christian churches agree, there is one church, one baptism. That's what Ephesians tells us. And we practice baptism because Jesus commanded it. Remember that verse? Matthew 28, 19, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so the question you might have is, why does a church practice believers' baptism by immersion? Well, first of all, believers' baptism basically means that a person is old enough to have understanding of what the symbol is and having the ability to choose that on their own. I often ask people in counseling, why do you want to be baptized if they want they've want, they come to be baptized? And they'll tell me reasons and sometimes they'll, they'll wait for me and I'll say, let me give you some examples Of good reasons to be baptized. Um, And I'll tell them, well, because Jesus was baptized, that's a good reason. Because there's rich symbolism, that's a good reason. Uh, Let me tell you about some not so good reasons to be baptized. I want to be baptized because I like water. (laughs) Not a good reason. I want to be baptized because I've always wanted to swim in church. (laughs) Not a good reason. I want to be baptized because my mom thinks it's a good idea. (laughs) Not a good reason. There are good reasons and there are not so good reasons, but having the ability to choose for yourself is believer's baptism and choosing it so. The second, uh, by the way, my children, um, all of them wanted to be baptized uh, very early in their lives. Um, We kind of made it a big deal in our family because it is a big deal, but we wanted to be sure the kids were making the decision not just for the cake they were going to get afterwards in the party that we would have. So we kind of made them wait. And some of them, we had to wait, they had to wait a couple years to, uh, before we, we would let them get baptized. Secondly, we believe that Jesus was baptized. Oh, believers' baptism through immersion. Uh, we believe that Jesus was baptized through immersion. And uh, as a mode of baptism, it is, it is an opportunity to richly express Uh, Not the only way, but uh, an opportunity to richly express (laughs) salvation, death, and life. Going into the water, coming out of the water. That's why they say those Baptists like a lot of water. Maybe that's why I woke up this morning with the rain and thought, yes, uh, we do like water. By the way, I was telling Amanda was was baptized a lot uh, in practicing. But, you know, when I went to seminary and studied theology, and, and learned how to be a pastor. We actually had a class on baptism. It was really cool. So it's like a field trip class. So we went to the one of the churches and, and we got to practice baptizing each other. It was it was really fun. And uh, our professor, who at the time was the president of the seminary, he said, "Now this is an opportunity. Don't make your baptism neat." Don't, don't be quiet about it. Get in that water and splash. There should be water coming up out of the, the baptistry because that's what baptism is. It, you can't keep it quiet. It, it, it overfills it over your life. It pours out as is its symbol of a life in Christ. You cannot keep it quiet. It spills out everywhere. So he told us, get in that water and splash. I tried not to splash too much in one church because there was a choir right there and (laughs) they didn't like it, They get the water in their heads. The book of Acts tells us that on this day, there was an amazing response to the good news of Jesus. The amazing response of 3,000 baptisms illustrates Jesus' promise that when he said, I'm going away, and when I do, the Spirit's coming, and you will do even greater works than these. Think about that. Jesus promised that the church would do greater works than he did. What? Jesus did some pretty cool stuff. If you think about it, I mean, but yet through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church does amazing work, even greater works than that. We know Jesus did amazing ministry, and we know... That Jesus is doing amazing ministry even today, even now, even in Debrecen, even in Hungary, even throughout the world. The question is what is the work that Jesus is doing in your life? What great thing has Jesus done or is he doing today? Baptism is a celebration of Christ in and through your life. And I want to encourage you to consider baptism if you haven't already, or maybe even consider re-baptism as an adult or one who now understands its symbolism and proclamation of faith. In fact, there are many good reasons to be baptized, and these are among them. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity to celebrate the work of Christ, who has been at work in our lives who is at work in our lives today and promises to be at work in our lives forever. Baptism is a celebration of the work of Christ. In fact, we're going to have a baptism. Uh, It's almost already scheduled, December 19th. Uh, I say almost because we're still checking out the logistics, but we already have a couple of our church family uh, who uh, are preparing to be baptized. So uh, put that thought in your mind if if you want to consider and think about that. Um, because we would love to talk with you more about it. How is Christ at work in your life this morning? I can't answer the question, how is he at work? But I do know 100% that Christ is at work in your life today.